With the crazy world we live in today, many of us seek adventure of the unknown. Join the five of us everyday Aussies from all walks of life, share stories from men and women of all hunting camps. From tips and techniques to the emotional rollercoaster ride fulfilling a lifelong dream, there is a story to be told by all. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Well, hey guys, welcome to another episode of Honey Camp Down Under. Uh, this episode is one from the archives, actually. Uh, Rob Herbert was uh, doing a little touring around the uh, United States there earlier last year. And um, if anyone follows him on Instagram, you um, would have known he's, he hung out with the guys from Kafaru and uh, a few nice shows and things like that. And uh, was fortunate enough to, um, to <laughs> grab Aaron and Frank in between their uh, running around and hunting. Uh, and sit down for a quick podcast and, and just sort of get a little bit of their backgrounds in regards to, you know, who they are outside Kafaru and uh, and obviously what their roles are within the business as well. So uh, this was before Kafaru Australia came off the ground. So um, at that this point in time when this was recorded, we, uh, we didn't know where we'd be today. But, um, you know, hopefully it just sort of sheds a little bit of light on the, on the company itself um, and, you know, some of the main faces behind it. So, um, anyway, it's a nice quick one and I uh, hope you enjoy it. Good morning, Rob Herbert here from Hunt Camp Down Under. I'm sitting in Kafara at the moment and I've got two guests with me. I've got Frank and Aaron from Kafara. Good morning, guys. How are you? How you doing, mate? <laughs> oh, damn you. I was going to do the same thing. <laughs> Good day, mate. <laughs> Fosters. Yeah. <laughs> Throw another shrimp on the barbie. Thank you. Cheerio. This morning we're going to cover off on a few things. Um, Kafara is a brand that's been um, getting its name more and more, uh, I guess, known in Australia. Um, and that's the, what the podcast is about this morning. Talk about the guys that actually sit in the main seat over here, their gear and their experiences. So I'll kick off over to you, Aaron. Um, good morning. Um, just a little bit about yourself, where you started and hunting-wise and from there, yeah. Uh, really, my, my uh, hometown where I'm from is only a couple hundred people. It's in the middle of the Cascade Mountains, so based just from birth, really. Um, my dad wasn't a big hunter, but he, he hunted some, but... Yeah, I started at a super young age fishing in the backcountry in the wilderness, just um, trying to get, I hated school, you know, normal boy, I guess, or whatever, just try to get out. And then, oh, I worked on a trail crew team, um, backpacking and, and cleaning off the trails of all the wilderness area. And that kind of got me into backpack hunting or backpacking. And uh, I joined the Army, uh, and I was in the Army for several years or a few years anyway, and then got out of the Army. And I uh, started working construction on high rises, but the entire time I, you know, hunted like anybody else, took as much possible time off as I could and uh, keep the, the story short, I guess. I was doing a bunch of different gear reviews and things like that. Um, and I came in to review, you know, Kafaru backpacks and one thing led to another. And now I'm um, in the president of the company. So that's the, the short version. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been super blessed as far as... Uh, I've been able to hunt a lot um, and been super blessed as far as, you know, everything all over North America. So I, I've been lucky enough to take, you know, animals with a compound as well as a stick bow and a gun. And, yeah, it's been great, great opportunity here. And we're getting to hunt more now than we ever have before, so it's even better. Yeah, right on. So I'll come back to um, what method you like to hunt these days. 
But um, going back to Kafaru, what's Kafaru? What are they? What do they do? Actually, the initial kind of story begins with Patrick Smith, who who owned Mountain Smith, which is a mountaineering backpack company. Uh, he started that in the 80s, and he sold that and then started Kafaru. And what Kafaru just means rhino in Swahili with the idea of rhino tough gear. Um, and we focus really a lot more on um, like long, like lifelong lasting packs. Like you used to have the wool jacket button up your grandpa would give you past that kind of that type of a thing where, you know, you join the family when you buy a pack from us, it's a family owned and operated company. We're really accessible, but yeah, we build sleeping bags, teepees, backpacks, day packs, everyday carry. We do a lot of work with uh, different tactical entities or, or different tier one groups. So we've got, a, got our hands in, in everything. We're not as, um, Oh, we don't, dump millions of dollars into marketing um you know we we don't uh we've been in business longer than yeah actually longer than any other back well no mr ranch and us so um from us from the outside looking in frank and i get a kick out of it we have packs that come back for warranty that are three times older than what the current companies have been in business to give you an idea so we got what was that pack that came in the other day that pack was 17 years old um one of Patrick's inventions. And to give you an idea, that guy had had it all over around the world, Alps, everything else. And most of our competitors have been business like four or five years. So there's, you know, we stand behind American made, American components, zippers, not Chinese or Asian components sewn together in America. Like everything from us is, is made right here. So, and most of it's made in this building. Yeah. That's where I think the price difference is that you see people, unfortunately, at times they uh, like a product and then they find a similar product on the shelf for a couple of hundred bucks less and they seem to jump that way. You know, I think that uh, having that sort of ideology certainly helps that longevity in the product and, and in the in the company name. Um, Kafaru is available, I guess, to all your local people via the storefront or by the internet. If someone was looking at shopping or browsing for Kafaru gear, um, where would they be best suited as an overseas customer? It, well, it's difficult overseas unless you've got a buddy or whatever, just a website. And then obviously emails or, or phone calls just because we are direct sales for the most part. We don't have any, um, you know, overseas dealers. We don't have any really dealers at all. Um, you know, the, the thing that I guess people get nervous about, they want to uh, touch it or feel it. And then if they can't touch or feel it, they'll buy one that's two or $300 less that they can't touch or feel, which, you know, I, I get that. Um, I guess I just caution people. We've been doing it for a long, long time. And the chances of, I'd say maybe one out of every 500 goes out the door. I don't know, Frank, what do you, th- I mean, trying to quantify it, maybe one out of every 500 gets sent back that don't like, it might be more than that. Um, as far as doesn't fit or we can't get it to fit them. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I think we have a lot of adjustability and especially even for women packs, that's something that we've kind of d- dove into recently. And um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to find a pack from us that won't fit you. We make different shoulder strap lengths, different waist belt sizes, different stay curvatures for different back profiles, different frame heights. So, you know, even though you may be able to get the touch or feel one out of a sporting goods store, you only get one where with ours, we're taking into the, the to account your height, your torso length, you know, your waistline, how you're built upper body. So a guy that's your height, let's say that's 160 pounds, what are you, 230? 
240. Oh, I thought you were flipping him off. Herbie's a a large man, so you might... Large as in muscular, not just fat. It's a big chest there to go around, so another guy might take a different shoulder strap length (laughs) where you might need a long one to go around that hurricane chest of yours, so we can can get all that info from you over the phone or online. It's going to be a world shortage in food, and you're going to look at me in awe. (laughs) (laughs) I should have prepped better. Oh, shit. I should have buried that shit in the front yard. (laughs) (laughs) That was making fun of the zombie apocalypse, and here we are, (laughs) fucking peanuts. (laughs) So I'll um, cut over to to Frank a little bit about yourself. Let's see here. Well, the details of my life are quite inconsequential. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) didn't say that on Austin Powers. No, uh, yeah, I'm from Colorado. I grew up in southern Colorado down in uh, Pueblo West. Um, West side. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, <laughs> there are parts of Pueblo that can be a little ghetto, but um, yeah, grew up hunting. I did a ton of small game hunting actually when I was a kid with my dad. Um, that's what we we do quite a bit, and then uh, we'd do maybe one or two big game hunts here. We'd we'd hunt antelope, and then we'd go on a like a combo elk and uh, deer hunt um, to some local spots that he'd been hunting since he was a kid. So yeah, I grew up living the outdoor lifestyle, a lot of camping during the summer, hunting and stuff like that, and. Um, it kind of just evolved into, uh, I always wanted to, to bow hunt and, uh, my brother finally got a bow when I was like, ah, like 19 or something like that. And he's, he's a few years younger. So I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. And, and that evolved into backpack hunting. I, my buddy of mine got a, a bow as well. And we always just wanted to go over that next ridge and we wanted to go, you know, further, but you, know, you get to a certain point where you're so far away from the, from the car, from, from the camp that, um, you, you can't go that extra, extra little bit. So. I kind of dove into the into the backpack hunting stuff um, when I was in my earlier 20s and um, kind of grew, grew a passion for it and kind of got to know Aaron and was bugging him all the time with questions and stuff. And then uh, one day I just asked him if, I, if they needed someone else to work here and it, it all kind of worked out from there. But yeah, I just basically grew up, grew up hunting and, and the passion stuck with me as I got older and this is where I ended up. I really do appreciate how you've trained him, Aaron. I mean, the fact that you walk in the door and you can have a coffee and scoots around and gets you other bits and pieces, it must be brilliant to have that. I tell you what, on a serious note, um, I it would be hard for me to survive without what Frank does because I, um, as Frank knows, I'm not the greatest at paperwork. I don't know how to put an order through. So Frank already <laughs> immediately had a, a large following for the f- simple fact he actually sent people the gear they wanted. Or, uh, so that was like immediately a step up. So Frank has a, a large following for that just by itself where the, the hunting stuff I just came along naturally but like he automatically like probably had a hundred guys who were like Frank's awesome fuck Aaron <laughs> just because they actually got their stuff yeah. so <laughs> I will say you get to a certain point where you have so many people contacting you for stuff I can see where Aaron would lose track and then I'm starting to get to that point where I have so many people hitting me up that I lose track and then now we have uh, Anders and Dana and they do an awesome job helping us out as well so I think it's uh, definitely a team effort for sure. In the course of one day, there's five to seven YouTube pages, some kind of an elk, mule deer, sheep, gopher, some federation that wants free something, a YouTube guy that wants 14 packs, something every day. And probably when they get tired of asking me, they'll ask Frank, or if they've asked Frank enough, they'll ask me. It's pretty crazy, and a lot of them are blueprint ones where they send them to all pack companies um, where we kind of – is you, we're, we're a lot more about loyalty. You know, we try to, you know, stick with the, the guys that are or like us, not because uh, they, they don't, it's not that they like us because they get free shit. They like the packs. Yep, totally. They like the, the family kind of 
uh, mentality we have here. So, And I think that that's a, a big part of having any really good customer base is to be able to develop that amongst the people that are buying things from you and, and things that need to be returned or adjusted or whatever. And uh, just talking about how people can actually um, ring the company if they have any problems and they speak to you, just mentioned a couple of people out on the floor. So if they ring the company, who might they be talking to? Uh, so it'd be actually any of us. Um, Anders and Dana, they were kind of the primary people on the phone. We have uh, Kaylee. Um, she's kind of in the back back there. She handles the warranty and repair stuff. And then if those if they're all busy, then Aaron or I will, will answer the phone. So it's pretty easy to get a hold of us. Um, and then if it's after hours, a lot of the time you're able to contact us through social media, whether it be Facebook Messenger or Instagram or a lot or, of people, or a lot call of me on Sunday night at ten o'clock. In the a lot of evening. I was just about to say a lot of people have Aaron's phone number. I'm a little more. That's from the local toilet back door, is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> call this number for a good time. Man line. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, long time. <laughs> yeah. So it's we have uh, we have a pretty um, we have a lot of different methods of of uh, contacting us, which is good for the customer. It's a little difficult sometimes for us on the weekends or or whatever, but it's. We usually get back to you pretty quickly. Nothing better at Walmart when you just crop dusted a whole lane <laughs> and you get to the end of it and somebody comes up and is like, are you Aaron Snyder? And I'm like, man, I just farted for 15 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Shit. Yep, that's me. Great to meet you. This is kind of a Skype, but Well, Frank and I have a pretty twisted sense of humor, so we've actually had to kind of um, – I'd say hide from the public, but to a certain degree, if we go shoot a 3D course, there's no telling what's coming out of our mouths. So <laughs> we got to try to shoot That's when no what? one's around just because there's a lot of off-colored humor um, <laughs> that some people might not like. So um, our circle of friends is pretty small. Um, well, I can think of five. I got five <laughs> friends. I mean, how many you got, friends? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Truthfully, how Lady many friends or boyfriends? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> how many? How many guys do you hang out with that you trust? Uh, there's a. It's a pretty small. Yeah. 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 Well, you here's here's what you'll run into. I, I'm sure you've seen this. Uh, you know, you show a guy the ropes. Next thing you know, uh, you know. Fast forward a year or two later, he saved your life, showed you how to hunt. You know, yep. you've blown out 19 animals. He saved every one of them, killed them all, and you're an idiot. And it's like, <laughs> man, my story's way different than yours. That version is just slightly unique to what I saw. And and, and you get that uh, from, from one guy specifically, I guess I could think I wouldn't mind conking mm -hmm. in the nugget. And uh, we both, he, you know, and it's like. Which well, is a strain for punching on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, holy cow. So we don't, we don't really. I specifically, well, Frank's same way. We just don't hunt with that many people. Yep. Not because, um, you know, we're like too good for everyone, but, you know, you, you, you get to kind of where you're used to a certain, you know, mannerism, a moral compass or whatever you want to call it. Uh -huh. And then you don't, you don't want to brush off and get somebody to have the wrong opinion of you just because you got a funky sense of humor. Yeah, well, that's uh, something that doesn't really come out of you guys much. I mean, it's really <laughs> hard to pick that up. Well, when Frank told the chickpea garbanzo bean joke, I think that said it all right there. In fact, Frank, for the hunting camp down under, you want to tell that one again? What's the difference between a chickpea and a garbanzo bean? I've never had a garbanzo bean on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron's out of here. I think he just cropped us to the seat. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I always tend to tell that joke the most awkward of times. Like uh, we had, I, I was 
dating quote unquote, this one chick <laughs> before like last year and uh she came over for dinner and then like kind of serious and then i was like hey do you guys know the difference i've got to say one of the things i think that um why the podcast does so well and in, in some ways is most guys aren't inherently wealthy they're construction workers which is what i did or saint frank did the same thing or none of us were raised with a lot of money not very many and so um, it's relatable. And then the way we act, you know, you, most guys are either construction, prior military or both or a little bit of it. So we do get an occasional guy to let us know we're going to hell. But for the most part, <laughs> we get more of, hey, don't stop doing what you're doing. It's just like we're talking with, yeah. you know, buddies or whatever. So uh, when we, you know, it is what it is. We don't we don't make a ton of money off this. We just want to have fun and try and, you know, help people out getting in the outdoors. Well, I'll come back to Kafaro Cast, I guess, um, because even though we know what Kafaro Cast is, there's probably a lot of listeners that don't. But I'll just finish off on ordering. So, if someone um, wants to order a pack, um, I believe on the website there's some things there, like a form to fill out or bits and pieces. Because I know that it's the one sticking point that if people have to do more than push yes, 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 and then PayPal they get a little bit shy or gun shy of buying stuff because it means that they've got to make an effort. Right, but on your webpage, if I wanted to buy a pack, there's certain things that I think because it is such a customized pack where you can get it so customized to you that you have to fill in. Um, if anyone had any problems converting inches to, to feet and got all confused and all of a sudden I've got like a 62-inch frame and, you know, all that sort of stuff, um, they can call the shop and make sure that they've got the right stuff or send you a message off, you know, is it Kafara International or off the um, page? Or? The, yeah, so you can send us, you can always send us an email. It's uh, customer service at kafaru.net. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's a pretty common question. Somebody will order during the weekend or they'll order after hours and they'll say, hey, they'll send you an email or they'll give you a call and say, hey, can you review my order and make sure I got everything right? The, these are my specs, which is your height, your waist size, your pant inseam length, and your uh, waist. No, I already said waist. What was the other yeah. one? So you want your height, height weight, weight pant weight length, size. and inseam. Right. Yep. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I had a few messages this weekend like, hey, this is this was my order. Did I get it right? And, you know, one guy actually, he needed a taller frame, and then the other guy had it right. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty common question that we get. But I think one thing that we've been working on is making the website a little bit more user-friendly as far as um, what information is needed. And then Aaron's done a million videos on just about every product that we have and also pro uh fitting and also installing packs on frames and stuff like that so if if you can't get a hold of us that we have a, a hundred different videos on the website that you can kind of search through i was just going to say and that's on the drop down um taskbar yeah i think a lot of people just don't click a whole lot if you actually click on the pack there's videos on that page you just click on videos and it'll, it'll those videos will pertain to that specific awesome. product um the other thing too Obviously, people type a lot faster than me because the response is much shorter than the email. <laughs> but if a guy is um, – luckily, and I, Frank, do get to hunt um, quite a bit in different areas in North America. So if a guy's like, hey, I'm going to you know, pick whatever, Colorado, um, third season rifle, and we're backpacking in for five days, uh, what pack do I need? And then we'll go over the bag. And then I'll just say, hey, here's your four options. Um, and I usually say something that's kind of like a woman. 
They're all going to serve the same purpose. Pick the one you think's the hottest, right? That's the one we'll roll with. And then I'll go over the frame size and then go from there. And, and most of that's answered luckily before they get to customer service. A lot of times if it's like, if the dude wrote a book, I, I honestly won't even read the whole thing. I just send them my phone number. I'm like, dude, just call like this one's a way too in depth, which is how the whole planet has my phone number is I would rather going back to construction days where, you know, a thousand dollar purchase, which it wasn't out of the question. I would save up, and and I, uh, actually, the first time I bought expensive packs was Mystery Ranch. I think I dropped seventeen hundred bucks. Um, you know, I called two or three times and just made sure I had you know got what I wanted. Um, the one thing I will say is try to listen to the professionals, and those aren't the ones that are on forums all the time. Um, True that. You know, you definitely want to. And this isn't. I'm not. This isn't poking fun. This is just to get you what you need. Uh, for what you have going on, and, and you really want to listen to guys that do it every day um, to, to get advice. Not to say that somebody does it once a year can't give good advice, but you know, truly, if you're going on a um, a doll sheep hunt, you know, you you may want to listen to a guy that's been on a doll sheep hunt a little bit more than a guy that may have um, you know only hunted whitetail. Right. Yeah. So you make sure it's just so you're not spending money on something you don't need. Well, I guess that then sort of. Um moves into the next part about you guys being experienced hunters you're, you're planning a hunt that's coming up soon you you've got the next hunt coming up what's that one? Oh, i antelope. think the, yeah the next one would be archery antelope in colorado yep august 15th ish around that got, time frame give you an idea how much frank and i hunt we've already been on six this year well frank you've been on five because i i fucked it made him go to the show and i went hunting <laughs> but uh then we've got antelope mule deer uh goat goat elk um, mule deer, mule deer, uh, whitetail, owdad, whitetail, predator stuff. Yeah, predators, and I'm probably missing some. So yeah. we, you know, pretty well rounded. Um, some, you know, we generally don't travel out of North America. Yep. Um, I've gotten lucky. I've gotten to hunt quite a bit in uh, Mexico and NWT in the Yukon as well. Not a whole lot in Alaska. So the good thing about Frank and I both is if we don't know we just know who so if you're heading up to something we might send you to a tyler freel who's a, a big spokesman for us or if you're going to um Kyrgyzstan or something we've got friends that go over there frequently so we're like hey these guys might know a little bit better than us this is what we suggest but you know touch base with them. those people yeah and that's the kind of where we look at it because frank and i both come from i'd say borderline poverty definitely blue collar <laughs> um if you're dumping that much money we end up most of the time talking people out of stuff because they get excited and they want to buy everything. And yep. I, I get it. I'm the same way. But we try, like, hey, you probably don't need that. Get this instead and, and try to get the best bang for their buck. Yep, yep, totally. And I think, um, you know, that that's the next thing I was going to move on to. How would you describe most of the hunting that you guys do? Is it straight out of the truck and on the ground and back to the truck with photos with the background and showing that it was miles away <laughs> from everywhere? Or, <laughs> I, I, I wish. I, we smelled so fucking bad last year. You said I smelled like an onion. <laughs> I I couldn't get that smell out of my clothes the first couple. Well, we went maybe 13 days, backpack hunt. Oh, was it 13? Um, I'm trying to block it out. I think we, <laughs> yeah, I think it was 12 or 13 days because we went in a few days early and then we came out the first time like on the 10th day of the season. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And then Jay Marin turned around, went back in, got a deer, and then we had to skip on an elk hunt and Frank... I went to work for a couple of days. You went and killed an antelope. Yep. Um, yep. And then we um, came back in and we tried to go elk hunting in a different spot. Uh, yeah. So we, you know, we, you know, we don't 
We do a little bit of everything like in Alberta. It's Alberta hunting, you know, glassing from the truck, hiking a couple miles, glassing. Uh, here is pretty much all backpack hunting. Um, it's a various amount in Canada. Some of it might be in and out from the truck, in and out three or four miles back, you know. Some of it might be camping. Sometimes we're in uh, outfitter like wall tents. Sometimes we're in cabins. Sometimes we're in a bivy sack, which you know, we probably wouldn't be able to afford a lot of that shit if we went for Kafaru, but it does help because um, if it wasn't for Kafaru, I certainly would have never rode a horse. Um, and then you kind of learn what pack fits on a horse, right? Yeah, so right. <laughs> I just, I'm not, I'm kind of not anti-horse, but I'm certainly not pro-horse. So, um, so while you're on the horse <laughs> and you're on the mule. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, and Frank flies out a lot too, does a lot of gun hunts where I don't. Uh -huh. yep. And so he kind of learns um, or gets to test things that, that I won't test when you go, he goes gun hunting and predator hunting, things yeah. like that. Yeah. And so you can work all those slinging your your rifle into some of those packs and doing that sort of stuff. You're a big coyote hunter, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do a ton of uh, predator hunting in the winter time. I think uh, Aaron would come with me, but it's it's just too cold. <laughs> yeah, it's not I don't a, like freezing. Not a, not a fan of the cold, but yeah, we get uh, we get a lot of, a lot of time to test stuff out. And I think one of the coolest things we came out with recently was the Sherman Pocket, which I think was mostly Aaron's idea. But that thing works out great for slinging a rifle on your pack. It's it's basically a pocket that's got a sleeve for your buttstock, your rifle, and you can also use it to strap your bow. So, yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool that we get to test a lot of gear and, and come up with suggestions for, for new gear. Different improvements and those sort of things. Mm -hmm. So pretty much across the board, and I know that uh, as an interviewer, I sound like I'm trying to um, back what you do here a little bit. I am, I am a fairly big Kafari fan myself, as a lot of the guys back home know, but um, across the board there isn't, really a situation or a pack or advice that you guys can't give that's honest about most hunting situations? Yeah, I'd say that uh, there's not, um, even whitetail hunting now, that would have been one maybe a few years ago that we were maybe couldn't check that box as much. And, and even, and I had hunt a bunch of whitetail, but I wasn't at a point where I'd be like, oh yeah, whatever. So mostly carrying tree stands and sticks. And then, uh, you know, it's not that difficult to have a bag in a tree. Yeah. Um, but what fits on what as far as tree stands and platforms. Uh, as far as like backpack hunting goes, I'm not saying we're the best, but we're certainly very capable of answering pretty much any question. I, if there's anything we probably, we're not big horse guys, you yeah. know, not, not, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I do know any of our, you can wear any of our packs and ride a horse. After that. You coming up with some chaps or? Uh, we tried. But, but Frank wouldn't <laughs> give them back after. Well, just we were in Colorado, just everybody wanted time. skinny chaps. And we were like, look, it's not going to work. Ass, so. Assless chaps. Aren't they all assless? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So ah, I think the other thing that's kind of cool too is we get to run a lot of gear, um, which some of our questions you know, we don't just get questions about Kafaru gear. We get questions about binoculars or arrows or broadheads, headlamps, stoves, because we get to, we get a lot of stuff to test out. Mm -hmm. And so that helps out as well. We do occasionally, maybe not we, I, nothing better than a guy emailing you a list of his gear, not one Kafaru product in it, and wants you to <laughs> write, write an entire essay back on what he should do. You know, kind of with the part with it goes with the family is is that support and that level of support. If you, I, I, I'm like I'm all for 
email someone else, you know, like <laughs> I hate to be a dick. It's just getting that busy. It's yeah, like, yeah. so basically you spend all your money with other people and you want me and Frank's advice. Yeah. And so kind of with that family, when you, you know, purchase Kafaro, you obviously get that, that brotherhood and trying to help each other out. Not that we don't want to help out other people, but you know, we su- so show support to you. It is cool to see it come back. Yeah. And I think totally that's, um, it's, sort of the devil and, and you know, I've been known to be a trusted spokesperson on all sorts of different types of gear and that you're not going to try and just blow smoke up someone's pipe and at the same time, you know, you're so busy and you've got so many, uh, you know, questions coming in and emails and phone calls and that sort of stuff. People, I guess, have to understand a little bit too that um, uh, America is a very much bigger place in sales and availability and how people want things today than it probably is in, in Australia. So um, the other thing I want to talk about with Kafar is that you're just not known for your packs. You sell other stuff as well? Yeah, we do um, uh, survival blankets, a wooby, uh, a doobie, which is doubly insulated, sleeping bags, body bags. Um, we have a quilt jackets and then uh, obviously the shelters man packable stoves patrick actually pioneered that the man packable stoves and in the teepees or man packable teepees um we also do sleds uh for oh they're actually about the only we're about the only one left that build a high-end sled or polk or whatever for for pulling through deep snow um so we we offer those as well am i forgetting anything frank ton of accessories we got a damn good analogy um yeah that's Jackets, um, did you say jackets? Parka jacket, yeah. yeah, insulated jacket. You can buy stuff bags and pullouts. I think um, for me, I'm not just throwing the, the hint out there, but I took a whole bunch of pullouts to New Zealand uh, just recently and I found it was just unreal to be able to label it kill kit and just grab it and put it out of my big pack and straight into um, my little pack and take it out on a day hunt. I think those pullouts are something that, although not a new concept because there are people that run dry bags, the pullouts themselves just pack down so easily and... Uh, you know, there's there's different types of ones that's all on the shelf in here. You can get ones that you can stuff wet gear in and maybe stuff it on the back of your pack and let it dry. And then there's lightweight ones and then there's heavier ones. There's, you know, sort of heading down the right path there, I think. Yeah, what did you say? Uh, you wanted a mesh one for your thongs? Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think when we talk about thongs in Australia... They're flip-flops oh, here. Okay. So when I say I love wearing my thongs and I wear them down the street every day, <laughs> and these guys raise their eyebrows, look at me and go, well, it is that month, but, you know, <laughs> it's all part of the love. <laughs> so um, sort of hunting, um, as I don't want to take up too much of your time this morning, but um, we covered off on Frank and um, he enjoys his compound hunting and rifle hunting. And you're pretty much known for, um, at the moment, you're known pretty well for your tradbow hunting, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I picked it up in 2016, more to prove a point than anything, and then uh, I lose. You know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I didn't go back to a compound in 17 because the amount of money I lose in endorsement contracts, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is pretty substantial amount, and even more so now uh, to shoot a. There's just not that just doesn't happen with a stick bow, uh, but just my my love for it and and uh, how much I I like hunting and shooting animals with a recurve. Um, I'm kind of all in and balls deep, so to speak, uh, with hunting with a stick bow. And I'd, I'd been pretty much a bow hunter. I think I probably shot after 18 years old, maybe four or five animals with a, a gun. Um, actually, four, you know, thinking about it. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know, a few hundred with a compound. So quite a bit with a compound. You've just been on a bear hunt. Um, 
I think people follow your story or want to check that out. But um, give us a little bit of a rundown on your bear hunt. That was new, kind of. That was uh, they do a walking bay up. It's what it's called. The bears are too big to climb a tree, so uh, you don't let out on. <laughs> I know them how that feels. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't let the dogs out unless it's a big bear, and uh, the bigger ones stay. They they'll stop to fight quicker, so you kind of know from what the dogs are doing, and uh, you end up trying to basically run and circle around them, get in front of them, and then. Um, it can end up pretty wild with lots of, you know, some charges and dogs and bears running around, and it's pretty crazy. But I ended up shooting two bears, um, uh, one real, real big, real old one, um, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30, didn't have any teeth left. And another one was probably maybe 9 or 10. It was a good bear. Um, shot that one a lot because it had it was four different colors. So wow. pretty cool looking. But, yeah, that was... Um, Oh, maybe a 10-foot shot and a 12-foot shot, and the Jeez. other one was 15 yards, and the next one was coming right at me. Uh, yeah. I don't know how close it was. I shit in my pants. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know, eight yards or something. Yeah, I wow. hit it. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So how heavy are the bears? Like from Australia, we've only got koala bears yeah. you know, and, and and drop bears. But um, Kung uh, Fu Panda. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> Remember when he gets to those stairs, he's like, my arch nemesis. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I'd say that uh, second one I shot was, oh, 350 to 400 pounds. Um, legit, not an internet, uh, 350, but big bear. Um Probably about says that one you shot last year, Frank. That was 350. And for a spring bear, um, 350 to 4 is pushing it. The other one was maybe 225 to 250. Um, so for Australia, that's 2.2 pounds to the kilo. So you can do the, the maths there and think about how angry and big a, a um, rot wheeler dog would be. We'll make that a 300-pound rot wheeler dog, I guess. And um, it gives you a bit of an idea. Yeah, luckily the second one I had didn't have much teeth. We saw the dogs going in on it, and one got nipped, bit, and it went right back in. We were like, what the hell? Well, we figured out why it didn't have any teeth. It got lipped. Uh, yeah, it got gummed <laughs> to death. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Frank shot one last year that would, uh, oh, I shot, I guess I shot mine, you shot yours the next day. Mm -hmm. um, and yours probably was the fattest bear I've ever seen out of the den. It literally was like, a Volkswagen, but I mean, it took three of us. <laughs> it was legit 350 to four, and it took Lander and I, or Lander's 250 probably, and a strong dude. Um, I'm a meaty 218 right now, and then Frank <laughs> in the back, we couldn't get it in the truck. Um, it was hilarious trying to get it in. So, like, it was big. And so, um, you know, no, that's illegal to, to do that to an animal when you're pushing it into the. It looked like <laughs> Lander was trying to make sweet love to it because you know how when you're in football and you've got the the dummies when you're on the uh, like the O line, and you kind of you know you come out of your stance and no no and push. That's what it, two fat guys pushing that bear. Frank pulling on it. <laughs> Frank, are you having flashbacks? Uh, <laughs> no, I was thinking about this year. Nathan and I were trying to get my bear from this year into the truck, and Lana came and picked us up. And she was like trying to help us, but she's got like a bad back. And she's like, "This is the first time I've ever helped load a bear." She was super excited, but yeah, it's, it was hard enough between two people. But last year, yeah, that that bear was a fatty. So it it literally, when I got up to it, I was like, "Jesus Christ!" On his throne, did it eat Lander? I was just, it was fat, fat. But, well, and it's it's crazy the bear that I shot. Um, last year was like a longer bear and it I don't think it was I don't know, looking at it was nearly as impressive as Frank's uh, but it had a longer skull where Frank's like just <laughs> looking at it or whatever if you look at the two yeah <laughs> it was a uh, bigger head 
I did, it just it literally looked like it ran into a semi truck, flattened out the head, and then ate a couple drivers. It was just that fat of a bear. And I did you guys know it was that big when you shot it? No, didn't have much time to t- to talk about it. What'd you think when you walked up to it? It's like, damn, it's a nice bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of guys shoot bears and they end up being, you know, 175 pounds, kind of anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. So when you shoot a truly big bear and you get up to it, you're like, Jesus, that's a big bear. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was cool. But that's the first time I'd done that. I did it with Bart Lancaster. The first time we we did it, we tried to do it with grizzlies a couple years earlier, uh, running with dogs and shooting on a walking bay up. But it's exciting. It's different. Like you go on a stock on a bear, the bear doesn't know you're there. They know you're there, like they're coming, like they have no doubt in their mind that you're there. And so it's pretty intense with them charging in and everything's pretty cool. Because their intent, I guess, is um, not to be your friend when they're coming at you, when they're a bit annoyed. Well, that first or that second one, I I, uh, I didn't, I had some shot opportunities, but I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to shoot. The dogs were in the way or just want a great shot. And so we were getting ready to come out and, and run and try and circle back. And I had a few windows and... I looked and I thought, man, I can I can zip one through here, and it was moving to the right, and I I I double lunged it and I hit it, and I made the mistake of looking back and saying that bear's dead. I smoked him. I hit him good, and then it got back up, and mm-hmm. I was and it came straight at us, and I was like, maybe that <laughs> shot wasn't quite as good as I thought. And then I I put that one between his neck and shoulder at I don't know meat of the wall or so, and that one yeah. put him down. Yeah. What um, arrow were you using and, and bow, like weight more so than anything else? You remember? Oh, 50, 59. Uh, it's a Black Widow PSA. Yep. It's 59 pounds and a 630 grain arrow. Uh, the first shot I hit it with a, actually that bear I shot, the second bear I shot with Iron Wills. The first bear I hit uh, with a VPA three blade on the first shot and the second shot was an Iron Will. Um or vice versa, one or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to poke through a bear. Actually, I think people think they're a lot tougher than they are as far as the hide. Um, you know, really, it's their hide sucks up blood, so a, a, a bigger hole is usually a better. better. Hole. Yeah, yeah. It, obviously opposite in other things in life, but in the case <laughs> of bears, big hole, good hole. <laughs> right, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Where do I go? (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Come on. Completely, completely embarrassed by the two gentlemen I have with me here. It's not not my style, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Moving on. Um, Probably a difficult question and one that I haven't at all been able to prep you guys with. But as an American looking to hunt Australia, is there? Would you say that there's a general general concept of what Australia is or what you expect to see or difficulties or anything like that? that what do we expect from what do we expect when you think of Australia? Is yeah, that d- you're asking? To come hunting. Kangaroos and <laughs> <laughs> Wild, Wild I, I West. Think, uh, well what I've talked to you about is you said that you get snow in certain parts of Australia. When I think of Australia, I think of either beaches and great white sharks or uh, just arid Deserts, Desert. of, never, um, never. Yeah, yeah. nothing. Qu- <laughs> quigly down under, and uh, that's about it. I don't, I don't. You don't really think of a mountainous terrain that actually receives snow. And you said at times you can get up to a foot or so of snow. And yeah, you don't think we don't think of that here. I just think of Hugh Jackman <laughs> <laughs> and Nicole Kidman. Wolverine. <laughs> I'm happy you put a lady in there as well. Yeah, no. Oh, I think of that movie Australia. Yeah. Who's the guy from Gladiator? Is he Australian? Yeah. Tom Hardy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which Gladiator? Yeah. Gladiator. The movie. 
Oh, Russell Russell Crowe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. Yeah, yeah, I think he, he is. is. Australian. Yeah. yeah, he might have even been New Zealander to start with and defected to Australia and, and <laughs> moved on from there. Well, it's just as I think that just that uh, international thought going backwards and forwards, like Australia to look at hunting America, um, and Americans, you know, looking to come to Australia. There's been more um, paths opened up, I guess, for um, that uh, reciprocal hunt type um, arrangement, which is much. I think a much better way to go that if you can provide a hunt for a guy from the states in Australia and host them and look after them and get them out onto an animal, just even out into the bush to have a look or into the woods. And when you reverse that, a lot of people that think about America from Australia probably need to get their boots on the ground over here first before they um, think that a lot of a lot of the media portrays the wrong image of Americans and America where there's a lot more gun-toting violence and you walk down the street and you're going to get hijacked sort of thing where you know, America's looking at Australia, the biggest comment that I've had is that isn't it just a desert? So um, I think that generally we're all pretty much the same sort of guys that, and girls that chase the same sort of excitement in the backcountry or going back into our alpine areas or into far north Queensland. I know that um, hunting water buffalo is a fairly... Um, attractive thing and, and something that a lot of Americans want to come across and do. Um, have you guys thought about heading north or that's right up into the top end of Australia and hunting some buff? Or? That, I mean, I guess if I was going to go, that would be, you know, the big one I'd like to do to do that. Um, but this is from the outside looking in, yeah. you know, just one, just it's such a big ass animal. So that would be kind of cool. And two, it doesn't sound like there's a bag limit. They're yeah. kind of a nuisance, I guess. Um, so, you know, that would be cool. The other thing is... Um, you know, you can kind of schedule it around when there's no hunting going on here yep. and head over there. So that that would be kind of top on my list as far as uh, Australia goes. Plus, photography-wise, it looks like a pretty cool area to photograph. So. Yeah, right, because you're right into your photography as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Well, I am. Frank, he does his on the side. I don't know exactly what he's got going on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made some oh, sort of passcode to get yeah. into that website. Paid by credit card. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it's it's kind of like Horn Pub. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have a special Patreon account for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, guys, um, that we've probably been kicking on for a while. I, I don't know what the time is that we've got down there, but um, that's a bit of a, a look at Kafaru and and the um, structure of how you can order gear. And there's going to be some more Kafaru gear um, in Australia to, to see because there's myself and our kidna and a couple of other guys that I know, Ben Myron, um, that are all um, using Kafaru gear. And I first started off, I guess, not even being, not even knowing who Kafaru was or what it was. Um, that was years ago, and just slowly got my hands on some stuff. And um, yeah, I'm now, I'm now got quite a few packs and bits and pieces. And my personal um, sort of idea, I guess, is that coming from a military background, that it's it's built to go the distance, and it's certainly built with the thought of usability and packability in mind. You know, um, you buy other stuff, and it's just a a jungle of crap hanging off the bags and then when you load them up when they say that they can put a whole bunch of different weights in it I know that uh, having that load lifting system and that sort of stuff has just been fantastic for me so um, the other thing I just wanted to throw over quickly before we do um, cut off is Kafarocast it's a, a podcast you guys run out of here right here right here right yeah. here right <laughs> in this studio so yeah um, how long's Kafarocast been going for Mm, 20 months, I think. Yep. Um, oh, really? Dang. 
Yeah, yeah I know. It's gone. Uh, we we kind of um, started off. I was on a different podcast, and then we um, I started this one um, more or less to. Um, how do I say this without getting beat up? We um, in today in the day and age of um, you support who you get for free, right? Or yep. or who pays you? Yep. Um, in some cases, that might be the gear that a certain person wants to run, yep. uh, but more than most likely it's who pays the most. It's just how life works. Uh, Frank and I were in a position to where we could do this and not take uh, sponsors and speak um, freely about really whatever we wanted for the most part. And uh, that was kind of the direction we headed on was um, to just say what we wanted to say and, and not to worry too much about when, you, when you're not worried about making a small like there's some companies that even if we took money wouldn't deal with us because of how we we are as people um or what we say well it seems to be going good because we're at like i think with itunes like 4.8 million downloads in 20 yeah, well, months yeah. um and and some of that might be just listen to to yell at us who knows but uh i think the info that that comes out frank's probably much worse than I am in the sense Frank is a very a guy that's when it's tried and true he doesn't want to switch um, that MSR reactor you've got is about 17 shades different than its originality <laughs> um, probably use whatever he wanted but he sticks with that um, boots are the same way I mean once he gets something he likes and he sticks with it he might test other stuff so just using what we want saying what we want to and, and being able to speak freely about gear is, is nice and that's kind of the podcast the way it goes I think that's a um, a hard thing to find these days to sort the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Um, so many people talk about a product uh, and you don't get a fair or a honest review of the product because it's been given to them or they feel like someone's going to get butt hurt if they say, well, actually the zippers suck or don't wear this rain shell when it's wet um, because it's you're going to get soaked, you know. So I think that uh, to be able to hold true to that stuff is pretty difficult these days when there's um, a lot of other stuff people don't see behind the doors in relation to sponsorship and um, other things. So Kafaru Cast, I guess, um, from what we've been talking about, tries to stay um, not so much a arm's distance away from just um, promoting Kafaru products, but if people do listen to the podcast, they can get a fairly good idea of a whole range of other brands and what's out there currently. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talk about... I don't think there we've covered podiatry um on the podcast pulmonary edema yep. um that was altitude a pretty cool sickness. podcast that one yep yeah and uh, uh test replacement therapy about nine million broadhead uh arrow weight fock podcasts and uh probably too much trad talk although we've slimmed that down a bit lately in fact frank was so high on his horse that fucker would not get on the podcast earlier today he said <laughs> what did you say you guys go I ahead said and you guys going to talk about trad it was like three trad guys <laughs> <laughs> oh lord we talked actually we didn't talk too much about trad it was more just a shot control but it's stuff that um oh like where frank was at like if he might have a uh, question on something we try to break it out where you can hit that little 25 second speed up button and you're like oh, oh that's what i wanted and then go back so you don't have to listen to all of it or if you're just waiting for one of us to say something stupid you might have to go back and forth a lot but um <laughs> it's generally applicable to what people it's not la la land and yep. it's, you know when i like oh let me tell you how to call in a 370 bull because that's what we all do every year it's more like hey you're on public land and this is what you're about to face meaning hunting pressure weather lightning you know just that what we face every day. Mother nature. Yeah. yeah. Yep. For true. 
All right, guys. Well, I guess I'll um, say I'll... for true. Hmm? Like for sure. Yeah. That's kind of the same. Yeah. yeah say, is that what you guys say for true? Yeah, Tom's. Yeah. Um, and then I know you call your wood arrows timbers, right? Yeah. 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 Are they not? No. I, you know what? I'm not going to touch on this subject because <laughs> I've never fucked around with a wood arrow. Um, remember, I'm the trad vein guy. I'm yeah. the devil. Um, I'm a carbon dude. But uh, I think they just call them uh, woodies over here, woods. Yeah, well, if I said to you I've got a woody, you might look at me a little strange. <laughs> it's gay pride month. <laughs> Frank wore his colors today. He's full on rainbow. This is great. You look like rainbow bright. Oh, my God. Half an hour to stop touching me like that, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, baby Jesus. Yeah, well, um, we'll look forward to getting you guys over to Australia at some stage. Um, come and experience it. I think that um, Australia has a lot to offer in hunting that it, you guys would find. Um, Do we get to hunt a national park? Uh, I could hook you up with someone that could maybe <laughs> some good invasive species. <laughs> some, yeah. uh, I'll stay away from that. But um, yeah, Australia really has a lot to offer, you know. So from beaches to um, mountains to to um, you know, you can go out into the desert, and there's stuff out in the desert to hunt that um, you probably wouldn't find here. So thanks, uh, thanks again, guys. I do appreciate it, and we'll um, we'll catch up very soon. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, you. Man. thanks for having us on. Thank you for listening to the Hunty Countdown on a podcast. If you would like any information from today's show, please don't hesitate to contact us on huntycampdownunder at gmail.com or simply hit us up on any of our social media outlets on Instagram or Facebook. Be sure to join us next week for another awesome episode and we look forward to sharing another story from Hunty Camp Down Under. Bye for now.